This is The Good Stuff. Let's get to know those who are doing the good stuff in our community. We'll chat with everyone from small business owners to local officials. Join us as we go around town to find the hidden gems. This is your host, Andy Tomlinson. Welcome to the Good Stuff Podcast. Well, welcome to the Good Stuff Podcast. I'm here with Brandon Smith, the producer of the Tecumseh Outdoor Drama. Uh, I'm excited to have uh, Brandon here. He's had a uh, had a rough year. Uh, Been an interesting 12 months. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you were um, all projected to go for uh, last year and then everyone else in the world got shut down and, and you especially got shut down. Uh, yeah, for sure. The uh, uh, arts and entertainment and theater industry uh, and, and the wider uh, industry of travel and tourism was uh, without a doubt the hardest hit yeah. sector. Uh, restaurants as well hit real hard. Um, but uh, it's really only been in the past couple of months uh, that theaters were able to come back in any capacity at all. Right. Um, which worked out well for us because that is our season, you know, sure. basically starting in June. Uh, but uh, yeah, the past year was was tough and, and we're one of the lucky ones because we made it to the other side. Yeah. And, and a lot of theaters did not. Yeah, a lot of them folded. Um, so you're born and raised in Chillicothe. Uh, after high school, uh, where'd, you, where'd you end up going? So, um, I took a year off yeah. uh, and worked uh, for E.M. Smith Jewelers okay. uh, and at Tecumseh yeah. uh, and uh, saved, you know, scraped money together and uh, moved to New York City uh, and went to acting school there. And that's, that was, that was my thing. I was going to be an actor, yeah. uh, but I didn't have the tenacity for it. I didn't have the drive. I think that you have to have in order to be successful, uh, being an actor, a lot of the people in my class did. Uh, and they've done quite well, but, um, I, you know, I did it for, I don't know, maybe six months to a year after I graduated and found out that I just, I just didn't, I didn't need it bad enough. Yeah. And, uh, and while that was happening at the same time, I was getting jobs running box office and things like that in order to be able to pay the bills and found out that I was pretty good at that. Uh, and never had trouble finding work. Do it. People were always needing that. And unlike an actor, it, it's hard to. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of how I fell into it. And then, yeah. you know, I had been working at Tecumseh for a couple of years before that uh, as a ticket taker. So I already had a little bit of theater experience. Yeah. Um, but then when I started doing box office and marketing and things like that, the jobs really started opening up and uh, I had a little bit of a talent for it. And so. That's the direction I went. And I always tell people, if you really, really want to work in theater, there's always going to be a job doing something. Yeah. Uh, and if you love it and love being a part of that, then whether you're an actor uh, or a ticket taker or a maintenance man, uh, it's uh, pretty rewarding work. And so were you in New York and started working there in Broadway or where, where was it? Yeah, I did a couple of shows on Broadway, um, but mostly I was working at smaller theaters. Um, there was a th one theater I remember in particular called the Arc Light that was in the basement of a Catholic church. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was just stunningly beautiful, you know, painted frescoes up on the walls and uh, beautiful stonework. And uh, that was a pretty cool place to work. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I worked at, I don't know, probably a dozen theaters or more, you know, just whoever. Yeah. Uh, whoever was hiring at the time. And of course, you know, in the New York theater world, at least at that time, um, if, if you were in at a box office, you knew everybody else who worked box office in New York City. And we would call each other and say, hey, uh, the Arclight's uh, hiring uh, part time for this or or whatever. And that's generally how once you were in, that's generally how you found your next job. Wow. Uh, is that place still open? 
I think it is. Okay. I don't think they call it the Arclight anymore, though. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe we can Google it and someone can find that's out. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But that's that's cool. Uh, so you came back. Uh, what year was that? Um, I came back to Chillicothe in uh, twenty late twenty fourteen. Okay. And then uh, you took over and you've kind of uh, made Tecumseh. Well, you didn't change Tecumseh, but you have added other things that we hadn't had in the past, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, uh, we changed the, we changed the Scioto society. I yeah. would say the, 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 our core product Tecumseh is, is very much the same as it has always been, of course. How you produce that play changes a little bit every year yeah. uh, as technology changes or as, uh, you know, the public's taste for things changes. You change that along with it. But the script itself is pretty much uh, the exact same script that was produced in 1973. So uh, when I came back and I started looking at outdoor drama in general uh, as, you know, as an industry and then more specifically at Tecumseh, you know, outdoor drama has been dying a slow death for 30 years yeah. or so. And uh, some theaters have, have figured out how to make it work, and, and some have not. You know, Blue Jacket, less than an hour from us, uh, has, has been gone for over a decade now. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So it's, and, you know, anytime you're in that kind of situation, you know, Michael Eisner at Disney said, you can't fall off the floor. So we, we figure, <laughs> you know, whatever we try, is it's something positive has to come from it. Right. Um, so so we decided to, to look at our assets, um, which... Of course, Tecumseh is one. Our people yeah. are one. Uh, our reputation is one. And then the facility itself uh, is an asset. And we were really only using that facility for about 80 to 90 days a year. Yeah. Uh, so we started thinking about how to expand that. So we can do some stuff in the spring, maybe. We can do some stuff in the fall. And there had been some talk uh, decades ago about doing some Halloween events and some other events like that. Um, so we kind of pulled some of those old plans out and kind of cherry picked from them. What can we accomplish in the next 12 months yeah. from these plans? And that's how Haunted Mountain was born. And so that was the first uh, kind of added event that we did. And it was very successful in its first year. It was very much a grassroots kind of thing. You know, we just brought people in. The Zane Trace football team came in and helped build it and run it. Uh, and, uh, you know, all of our families came in, you know, my dad shot guns, um, and, and it was fun. It was, uh, it was, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, your church nativity drive through kind of a feel, uh, everybody got together and put a show on. Um, and so we built on that year after year, the following year we added, uh, uh laser tag, uh, through, through the haunt. And then of course we added a full fledged theatrical production a couple of years ago with sleepy hollow. Right. Um, and that took it to a whole other level. Uh, and got some state and national attention from that. And uh, so this year we'll be doing Dracula. Uh, so a different thing again. And that was always kind of the plan with Haunted Mountain, that we could change the theme of it or, or exactly what it was uh, in any given year so that people will want to come back year after year and, and experience and it. You have a, escape rooms too, right? We do. Yeah. yeah. I think we were the first people in Ross County to do escape yeah. rooms. And, uh, and that was interesting. You know, we had to figure that out on our own. So we went and did a bunch of them in Columbus and Gatlinburg and some other places that we happened to be yeah. uh, and just kind of kind of figured it out and put them together on our own. And they are harder than I thought they would be. <laughs> I, well, as a participant, I've never <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never, I didn't get out. As a participant, it was like, holy cow. Mm -hmm. uh, we brought the family up and yeah, we had... Uh, we didn't get out. <laughs> yeah. We have Marsha and Leanna to thank for that. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. I mean, you, you, uh, just for that little, you know, 
evening, uh, you, you have a lot going on. And before it would be stagnant, nothing there. So thanks for yeah, bringing that. I mean, essentially, you know, the theater, you know, we, we would winterize the theater. And, and, you know, a lot of people have said we should do something at Christmas, which we might do some little stuff at Christmas, but that facility was not constructed to be used in the winter. So right. the water pipes are exposed. Uh, it would take major, major infrastructure upgrades to, to be able to use it year round. But we are using it about nine months out of the year now. Well, and, and the staff at that time is probably gone. So yes, largely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't really want to work at Christmas either. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're, you're, I'm pretty you're, happy. Well, you're, you're preparing for the upcoming year. You're probably yes. advertising, getting things out. Yes. Um, so you, you've done that. You've also enacted uh, concerts, uh, which was awesome. Just uh, it, yep. not this year, but in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't happen this year because uh, things opened up too late. Right. You know, it was like a week before we were getting ready to, to get Tecumseh under production. And, uh, you know, you don't just call a band and say, come here on this date. You know, they have a hundred other dates and they got to figure out how to work you in. So it's a complicated process, uh, getting, getting on a band's calendar. Um, but the concert series has been uh, very positive. You know, I had some experience producing concerts in the past, so I already had some relationships, uh, which was great. And, uh, that first year we got Ralph Stanley to come in who had retired from touring essentially, but he happened to be driving to Indiana to receive an award. And I talked him into stopping and performing that night. So that was kind of the first event that we had. It was huge. We sold it out. And uh, so the concert series has been very positive. Paul Pollard uh, here in Chillicothe does the sound for us and sets a stage up. And um, we've kind of stuck to bluegrass because it's easy to put on the stage. Mm -hmm. I don't need to bring in a big lighting rig or a big sound rig or anything like that. They kind of get up and play, you right. know. Um, and so that's been great. And I can't wait to get music back on the stage next year. Me either. I'm excited. Yeah. And, and you know, I, you might go outside of the bluegrass realm, too, at some point. Yep. Uh, you know, change it up a little. Yeah, I like bluegrass personally, but um, so we were going back to how COVID affected Tecumseh. Holy moly! Yeah. Uh, so you uh, probably were pulling your hair out, like, how do I prepare for something that we don't know if it's going to exist? And you probably had it set up several times and then scrapped several yes. times. Yes. Is that yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, Jeremiah Wagoner and I were at auditions in Boston. And he's the, the uh, head? Associate producer. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we were in Boston that weekend when it really started to hit the news. Yeah. It was like March the 9th, 10th, 11th, something like that. We were there. And I remember we had gone to dinner uh, at a place he had been before called Italy. Uh, which is like this big market and you get to go shop around and then you eat and, and we were having great fun. It's in the Prudential Center. And if you've ever been to the Prudential Center, you know, it's like a, uh, it's the tallest building in, in Boston, but the, the bottom three floors are this huge shopping mall. And it was just socked full of people, just packed full of people. And uh, I remember the next day after auditions, uh, watching the news uh, in the house we had rented that morning, and they said that there was a COVID outbreak at the Prudential Center. And we were like, oh, my gosh, this, may, this thing might be real. Um, and, of course, the whole drive home a couple days later, it was, you know, just on the radio constantly that day. Uh, it was kind of centered in Westchester County at that at that point is where the bad outbreak was. Yeah. And um, so by the, we got home. I called our insurance guy the next day. I said, listen, I don't know what to expect from this, but are we covered if, if this thing happens? And he said, well, I don't, I don't know. You know, we're, nobody's really sure. Um, 
And so we started having some quiet conversations among the board that, you know, still at that time, we were like, we think this is going to go away uh, in a month or two and that we'll be able to get the show on the stage, like maybe the 1st of July. But we put three plans together. So we put a plan together opening the 1st of July, uh, opening when we were supposed to open, which I think was June the 10th last year, and then one where we just were closed for the entire season. None of them were great. No. None of them were great options. But you had, you had to prepare. But, we, but at least we knew, you know, what, what we had to do in order to survive. And so uh, once it became clear that the show was just not going to happen, then it became all about fundraising, right? Yeah. And Cutting expenses and fundraising. And so we kind of became professional grant writers. You know, we always write some grants a year, but we really had to, to go out there and, and find money yeah. last year. And then, of course, we did a public fundraising campaign, which this community just knocked it out of the park. Uh, $100,000 in about two months. Wow. And it's called the Bundle of Twigs campaign. That's right. Yeah. 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 And that came from a Tecumseh quote. Well, a, a quote that is attributed to Tecumseh that says, you know, a single twig is easily broken, but a bundle of twigs is strong. And, uh, and so that was very successful. And, you know, over the course of, I guess, six or seven months, we raised about a little under $600,000. Uh, and we cut uh, a little under a million dollars out of the budget. Most of that is because, you know, we weren't producing the show. Right, right. right. Um, but also, you know, we had to lay off the entire staff. I laid myself off uh, for some time. Uh, we looked at uh, selling off some property, which we wound up not having to do, thankfully. Thank uh, and some other options, which... Uh, were not great, uh, and we we didn't have to go there. Um, so all all of that put together uh, it means that we survived the year, and that we have the show on the stage this year. Right. But we're still a long ways away from being fully recovered. I'm hoping within two years we might be back to where we were in January of uh, 2020. Wow. And then you sent out an email uh, recently, uh, how you know banks had had. Stopped your credit line and yeah, that was that was a gut punch. Um, that happened, oh, I guess about a month, month and a half ago, I guess. And and the way that it happened was so awful. You know, sure. we had we had logged in to our account to transfer it. So the the way that our business runs is that we have very big bills in the spring, April, May, June. We're paying all of our actors, we're paying all of our technicians, we're paying uh, all of the bills for the gift shop inventory. You know, the big bills come in in those three months. Right. And the big money doesn't come in until July and August. So even in a good year, there's there's a gap there, and uh, we need that credit line to get us through for those two months. And we'd had that credit line for 30 years or more, I guess. Wow. Uh, so we'd logged in to take a look at it, and it just wasn't there. <laughs> and so we called, and nobody knew what to, you know, well, we don't know. And um, we finally got through to somebody who was able to confirm that the bank had, had pulled the loan. Without with any, no notice. Yeah. Um, no review. Uh, you know, usually, you know, a bank will do a review and tell you that they're doing and request pay, you know, what right. are you doing? How are you going to make it this year? How are you going to make your payments? Uh, we got none of that. And of course this news came, you know, two weeks after we kind of felt like we had made it. We're right. going to get the show on stage. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we scrambled and, uh, uh, we started shopping out banks. Uh, we decided to go with local banks, yeah. uh, uh, which which is what this particular bank was when the company started and had been bought out and bought out and bought out. And, and so the people who run that bank now they're not in Ohio, they're not in Chillicothe. Sure. They're really not in Ohio. They, they don't, don't know us or our community right. or anything. 
Um, so <clears throat> uh, Susan at Kingston Bank, who I'd met several times at meetings before, uh, was really just all over it. She uh, uh, answered our call right away, asked for what she needed right away, and had us a proposal within days. Wow. Uh, which was uh, even better than what we had at the previous bank. Um, so I, I, anybody who has changed banks knows that it's a, a total pain, right? It's, it uh, but um, at, the, at the end of the day, we're going we're gonna to be better off. And, uh, and furthermore, we're, we're at a local bank right. now. Community. Yes. Right. And, and, and that's important. To, uh, you know, all the, we try to do all of our business within this, this three-county area of Pike, Ross, and Pickaway counties right. when we can. So yeah. um, it was a good move, uh, one that I didn't want to make at that time or under the circumstances right. which we made. Uh, but uh, super happy uh, with where we landed. Thank goodness. Because, I mean, it could have stopped again. It could have. Another yes. hurdle. Yes. That week... I really was, you know, I had actors coming in that Friday and Saturday, and I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to pay them. Unbelievable. That next week. Yeah. How many actors do you have? So it's a smaller cast this year. There's 38 in the company. Normally it's between 60 and 70. Wow. Um, so that was some of the cuts that were made in order to be able to financially make it through the year. Um, and, uh, it was an interesting process because, you know, we were so ingrained in knowing what this guy does at every moment during the show. Well, that guy's not there now, which means that this guy's got to do all that stuff and all this stuff that he was doing before. Um, so it was an interesting rehearsal process. Um, uh, some of the stuff on stage is different. Uh, you know, uh, for instance, we have a high fall where a guy gets shot off a cliff. That's not in the show this year. Um, a lot of the horse rides are different because we only have six horses as compared to eight or 10. Um, and so it also was very liberating, uh, in a lot of ways because, uh, just because something was done in a particular way, didn't mean that that was going to be the way that we were able to, or wanted to this year. So we learned a lot. Yeah. It was a more difficult process than it normally is, but, uh, I think we had all the right people in the room, uh, to make those decisions. And I think most people who see the show this year aren't going to notice that there's half the people on the stage. The spectacle is still there. Um, we, we did a whole new light design this year. Uh, Donald Leffert, who worked at Tecumseh for a long time, came in and did our lights for us. This is one of the, uh, the kind of gifts that COVID has given us. Yeah. Uh, because in a normal year, there's no way that he could have come and worked with us. He, you know, he's in Las Vegas. He's working every day. Um, but he was laid off, so, so he came home for a little while. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and actually got the call while he was here to go back to work. So. Uh, things are starting to open up out there as well, which is very positive for the industry. Uh, capacity, you're at like, what, quarter, half? We're a little closer to 60% right okay. now. We can open 100% because uh, all of those guidelines have been lifted. Okay. Um, so initially when we set the season up, we were at about 30. Um, and then we had to rebuild the season again uh, when guidelines changed, and that put us closer to 50. And then when the guidelines were dropped, uh, we went up to about 60 and that's probably going to be pretty much where we land this year, mostly because I didn't hire enough people yeah. to run the theater right. at 100%. Um, but also, we had set up a bunch of new stuff this year to try to uh, to get people to spread out around the property. Uh, and uh, so we lost some parking due to that. So, so our capacity is lower, but we're going to be right about 1,100 people. Um, we had uh, 1,000 last Saturday. And 900 the Saturday before that. So the, we were slowly opening it up to find out where can where can we still operate in a good place and, and, and get people comfortably. And, and you projected in your email like 400 and you're, you've been doubling that. Is that, yes. is that right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, even on even on what you know nights that are normally slow have been busy. Yeah, and I think that's a testament to the fact that people just want to get out. Yeah, they want to see family members that they haven't seen in a long time. Where there's very few orders coming through for two or three tickets. They're for ten or twenty tickets. Oh wow! Uh, because families coming in from all over the place. They're meeting in Chillicothe. They're yeah. going downtown eating and then going to see the show. Um, so it's 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 very positive. It is. Uh, you said you have other things, other events uh, to spread out. One of them is tomahawk throwing. Yeah. I've yeah. Never, I have you ever done it? I have not. Well, you have to come out and do it. It's yeah. great fun. Uh, I had never done it till you know, a couple of weeks ago when they came and got set up. But it's the, it's the folks from Southern Ohio Axe Throwing. They've got down, a place down yeah. the street here. Um, and I'd been talking to them for a couple, well, since, since he started the company, really. And we were supposed to do this last year uh, before everything got shut down. But um, it is great fun. Yeah. It's, I, I'm, I'm not good at it. <laughs> But it's fun. But it's, it is. Yes. It's kind of like bowling. You know, um, I don't know anybody who's any good at bowling, but everybody has a great time doing it. Absolutely. And uh, and so that's the point. So, yeah, you can come. Uh, you can buy a ticket for that. There's not uh, he can only do like 26 people a night or something like that. Um, so it kind of fills up every night. But uh, uh, you'll learn that's it, it, it's it's one of those uh, situations where finesse is more important than strength. And once once that clicks in your head. Then you'll stick it every time. It's sure. kind of amazing. But I would just probably yeah. try to hammer it down. <laughs> yes. So are you still doing the? Uh, gosh, it's been a long time since I've done it. As yeah. Uh, but before the shows, do you have the VIP uh, access? Yeah, yeah. So the the tour is different this year. Okay. That was one of the things that we didn't have enough time to to get back to kind of a normal setup. Uh, but so it's a rolling tour, and so. Uh, at any given time, there could be three groups on the tour at the same time, one at this station, one at that station, et cetera. Um, but the backstage tour is, uh, is, uh, really good, especially for kids. Yeah. Our show is loud. There's some serious violence in our show and it can be upsetting to people. But if you, if you do the tour beforehand, they get to see how all that's done. They get to meet the kids who do it. And, uh, so we always recommend that for kids. Uh, what, what age group would you suggest, uh, for uh, kids to go out, you know, we recommend the show for ages six and up. Okay. Um, there's no age limitation. You right. Know, if you right. want to bring a kid that's younger, every kid's different. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we try to, we try to make sure that people know, I mean, the, there is, you know, in three places in the show, the violence is very graphic. Yeah. Uh, and throughout the show, it's very loud. So, you know, uh, m- you know, make sure your kid can handle, handle what they're going to see on the stage for right. sure. Yeah. I remember thinking I was going to bring my oldest now, who's 12, uh, at like four or five and said, someone said, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am. And then they told me, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah. Right. Um, as, as people that live in Chilcothy, we probably go out once every three to four years and some people do it every year, but for me it's, um, but I do see more and more people. Uh, so I have, uh, people, Across the street from me, they have Airbnbs, and mm. they're all coming in for Tecumseh. Mm. But the most the, the people I've been talking to, a vast majority of our audience comes from outside of Ross County. Yeah, um, it, at least for Tecumseh. You know, those other events that we do, the concerts and things, that's a lot of local people. Uh, but um, you know, eighty to ninety percent of our audience comes from farther than thirty miles outside of Ross County. I think you said the first night you had thirteen different states yeah, represented. That's right. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, this year in particular, the travel uh, situation this year is very advantageous for 
uh, an attraction like Tecumseh and a town like Chillicothe because people are still not quite ready to get on a plane yeah. for the most part. So they're not necessarily flying to Disney World or Europe right now. Uh, but they are getting in the car and yeah. traveling, uh, which which means for for a place like Chillicothe, uh, that's a that's a very good place to be in. And so I expect that uh, not only our numbers, uh, which look very strong, but I think the general travel and tourism numbers for the whole county, I think, are going to be pretty spectacular this year. Which is awesome. It is. Yeah. Uh, how many uh, rainouts have you had last night? Yeah, yeah, that was a big one. That was it was a big one. Yeah, uh, we 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 we've been fine through the other ones. Even when it was raining hard in Chillicothe, uh, it did not rain out at the mountain. But uh, uh, yeah, it hit hard and fast and heavy last night. And yeah. we we usually don't cancel a show before yeah. showtime, but we did last night. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, because uh, I was down at uh, first Thursday. So this is right. Uh, we're, we're we are talking on July second. So this will probably be aired in a couple weeks, uh, but. The rain held off for that event. Thank goodness. Yeah. It started at the beginning. Uh, the crowd wasn't as strong, but then it lifted. And then at 8.30, it started, you know, gosh, I mean, it came down. Yeah. 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 It was something. It yeah. was and, something. And you had a good crowd? Yeah. It didn't look strong at the beginning. I mean, we thought, oh my, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we haven't, we haven't done this in I don't know a year, right? And so maybe people put it off their list, and but uh, no, it, it it went well, which is good. Good, good. good. Yeah, and that's some more normalcy. Yes, uh, yeah. it was live music, you know, people, vendors, and I think it was well attended. Good. Yeah. Uh, so the actors, uh, where do they stay? Uh, but right on the mountain, we've got uh, cabins backstage. Uh, they don't have to live there if they don't want to, but everybody does. You know, yeah. it's, it, it's very much like summer theater camp. So, you know, these people are living together and working together very closely uh, and intensely for a long period of time. And they become very, very close with one another. Um, they'll, they'll stay in contact with their cast members for the rest of their lives, yeah. really. Um, and it's not for everyone. You know, when, when I'm out recruiting and auditioning, I try to paint a very bleak picture. Yeah. <laughs> And I figure uh, that if that if they're still interested after I tell them the worst that it can possibly be, then they're probably going to be okay. Um. <laughs> now, do they like have a mess hall, or is it everyone has their own kitchens? Or no, it's one large shared kitchen. Okay, uh, a ba big bathroom and shower facilities, which is also uh, where they get ready for the show at night. Uh, we have a, a big rec room that we call the Tin Can. Uh, that uh, we built a couple of years ago. So it's got a pool table in there and a big screen TV and good internet because the internet is not great in the cabins. No. Uh, and, uh, and, and then the cabins are, are small. They're like, you know, uh, they're tool sheds, you know, sure. for, for, you know, to put it in perspective. And some, uh, some of the smaller ones, there's one person, but most of the time you're sharing with another person. So. Sounds like a college dorm room. Yeah. College yeah, life. Absolutely. But, yeah. but you do get to know your people or your, your yes yeah yeah on an intimate basis yes <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh, so have uh, any staff members become permanent members of Chillicothe? Uh over the years yes for sure um, many uh, have have chosen to stay here some stayed here for a while and then moved on uh, we'll see over the next couple of years, you know, if anybody who's, who's yeah. in this company is, is going to be amongst those people. But, um, uh, I, I would guess, uh, Andy, that probably, probably 30 to 40% of the people who are in the company, uh, retain a, a, a career in the theater. Yeah. The rest of them will go on to do, you know, 
of real estate uh, insurance. I know we got a couple people who are, sure. who are selling insurance, um, but the the uh, the skills that they learn on how to work as a team and on how to uh, pivot quickly. Yeah. You know, when it when it starts raining, we got to change everything. Um, uh, how to work in, in adverse conditions uh, and and how to make sure that. Uh, the goal of of the group of people that you're working with is more important than your personal goal. I think really serves those people well yeah. in whatever they do for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, so you you have other special events throughout the year. Uh, one is a uh, favorite of mine, November twelfth, a bourbon tasting. That's gonna do you have be your fun. Tickets yet? Uh, I have my tickets to uh, Pappy. Right on. <laughs> so they they have an online auction, uh, and it's on Tecumseh.com, isn't it? Tecumsehdrama.com. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you just go to special events, and uh, there's uh, auction items for, for the night, and there's one for a uh, Pappy Van Winkle uh, bourbon uh, option. A raffle. Yeah. I it's should a say. raffle, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna sell fifty tickets. Yeah, they're fifty bucks a piece. Next year is our fiftieth anniversary. It was the shtickiest thing I could come up with. So. Yeah, well, I like <laughs> it. And 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 for those that don't know, Pappy's, I mean, could be a thousand bucks. Yeah, you know, we'd been. Uh, I guess this is the third bottle that we've raffled off over the past five years or so since we've been doing this event. And I keep thinking that the bourbon bubble is about to burst. Yeah, uh, but but. Prices just keep rising, and, and uh, it indicates that 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 I'm absolutely wrong about that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I want to I want to have a, my own bottle, but it, it I, I probably have, will never get one. <laughs> yeah. You never, you never know. know. You never know. I uh, when I first started uh, getting interested in bourbon was was just right at the cusp when when people started really you know going crazy over bourbon, and I got my hands on a half a case of this. St- I didn't know what it was. Uh, it was called uh, a a Hirsch. Oh yeah, bourbon, and I had six bottles of it. I gave one to my dad and one to my brother, and uh, I probably drank the other three. I yeah. don't know, but anyway, I saw a bottle of it. You know, th- of course, this is twenty twenty five years ago. I saw a bottle of it at a bourbon auction recently for fifteen thousand dollars. Holy <laughs> cow! Like, hey, Dad, do you, do you still have do you that still bottle? Have? Nah, nah. <laughs> we drank it all. But listen, if you can't drink it and enjoy it, then uh, what's, what's the point? What's, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I got into bourbon uh, from uh, going to school in bourbon country. I went to UK, so right on. Yeah, so it was, right in the heart of it. Yeah, and it wasn't a big deal back then. You know, you'd, you'd have Blantons, and it wasn't as expensive and. Yeah. I mean, even as college people, we had plans. Yeah. Now you can't even get it. Well, when I first came home to Chillicothe, you know, I moved here from North Carolina, uh, which is uh, a state-controlled uh, state as well. But they they are really they really clamp down in North Carolina. So you get like you know Jack Daniels and Jim Beam, and that's what you get on the shelves. Uh, so Ohio is uh, a little more liberal. Uh, so you know, just six years ago when I moved home, you could just walk into the liquor store yeah. here and buy Blanton's off the shelf. Not anymore. Not anymore. No. Yeah. Uh, in, in North Carolina, is that where you got into the music? Yeah. So I had actually uh, worked in Mansfield, Ohio uh, for a while at a, at a historic theater up there. Uh, and uh, a guy named Matt Jocelyn uh, and myself uh, ran that theater for about three years um, and did a number. Of th- there was a symphony orchestra in residence there. There was a dance company in residence there. Uh, but we also were trying to make it a little less stuffy. You know, it had a real bad reputation for being kind of, kind of nose in the air, kind of a stuffy place. So uh, we created this other brand called the Wren and uh, we did comedy and and concerts uh, uh, through that brand. 
And so I got to know a lot of the booking agents and, yeah. uh, and made some relationships through there. And then we did do concerts as well in North Carolina. What concerts? Uh, any famous uh, acts that you had? Yeah, we had some big acts up there. I mean, we presented uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, wow. uh, Government Mule. Yeah. Uh, we had Sinbad and Brian Regan and Jeff Dunham, uh, George Carlin, Lily Tomlin. Uh, so the, the comedy stuff really, really kind of stuck there. That's awesome. And, uh, concerts, concerts are a weird thing because you have to have enough seats Right. To be able to sell a ticket at a certain price. Right. So, I mean, you could book anybody into that theater, but if tickets are 800 bucks, probably you're not going to sell it. No. Right. (laughs) So. And what is the capacity? 4,000? In that theater, uh, it was uh, 1,600. Okay. 1,600. Uh, In in Tecumseh, what's our? Oh, uh, 1,700. 1,700. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, So, yeah, I love producing concerts. It's great fun. You know, I'm a music guy. I love going to concerts. Uh, I know you are too. Yeah. Um, uh, so it was, it's always been fun being able to do that and be a part of it. It's not terribly enjoyable the day of the show. No, no. Though. You're probably <laughs> yes. Yes. sweating bullets. Yes. And hoping they show up. And yes. You have the, the, the green M&Ms for them. Exactly. And the, yeah. Yes. Make sure the elect, you know, yeah. it's all, it's, it's, uh, they're stressful nights. So yeah. it's more fun to go as an audience member than it is <laughs> to, 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 produce. to stand backstage yeah. hoping everything is going well. Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, one last thing. The last, uh, special event is, um, as movies, uh, you have this year, uh, yeah. you have two in July and a couple in August. And- yeah. So this is a new thing. And, uh, we were pretty fortunate to get a grant, uh, from, uh, the Ross Chillicothe Convention and Visitors Bureau, which uh, came through the CARES Act, Act. Sure. last year. And what they were looking for was, uh, organizations to come up with ways to create new revenue. Uh, in, uh, you know, under the cloud of COVID. Yeah. And uh, we'd actually talked about doing films there before. We just had no way to do it. Uh, so that grant paid for the whole setup, the screen, the projector, awesome. all of that stuff. Um, and so the first one would be here in just a couple of weeks on July the 11th. And we selected, you know, a couple of family movies, a couple of classics and a couple of comedies to just kind of see what, what might work. Yeah. And, um, you know, if it goes well and this and, and it sticks, it you know, it's an easy thing to do. It's a cheap ticket for sure. Yeah. And you know, at the moment we don't have a movie theater in Ross County. I so. know. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> and that that was another COVID problem that yes. uh, yeah. Uh I know you have what, Pee Wee Herman's. Yeah, and that's that's our that's our first one. The yeah. one I saw that I'd probably go to is Karate Kid, so there you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> but there is yeah. a, a a wide array of uh different kinds. Yeah, and th- th- that's another interesting thing. I didn't know much about movies, but um, you can't just call them and say, hey, I want to show this movie. Uh, it has to be something that they're willing to send out at the time. So I think the first two or three things I picked, they were like, nope, nope, we're not sending, nope. Wow. <laughs> I, said, okay, I had no idea. What do you got? What do you, what, right. what do you send me? <laughs> right. Wow. That's hard to, hard to pick. Well, um, I always ask three questions. Um, what is your favorite breakfast, lunch, and dinner spot? And it doesn't have to be Chilcot. It could be anywhere because you've traveled to, or you've lived in New York. And 
Yeah. Well, I love food. <laughs> that's why I ask these questions so yes. I can go. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's actually one of my favorite things about traveling is that breakfast is my thing. Yeah. And I love to try to find the best breakfast spot uh, wherever it is that I am. And uh, for, for our auditions, we're traveling in the South a lot. So you can imagine Some good. the kind of breakfast yeah. that you run into you know, yeah. in Mobile, Alabama or Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, they're all great. Um but I think my, my favorite is probably uh, in New Orleans, a place called Mother's, which is kind of a famous restaurant, but it's not as famous as like, you know, Commander's Palace or anything right. like that. Uh, and it's uh, uh, not a stuffy highbrow kind of place. You just walk in and it's my kind of kind buffet of style. Yeah. Uh, and they do dinner and things as well. But man, their breakfast, I'm telling you, is uh, is a kind of a religious experience. Uh they do a crawfish etouffee omelet, mm. and you can get a side of what they call uh, debris, which is basically all the stuff that's in the bottom of the roast beef pan. Oh, wow. <laughs> they put it over mashed potatoes. Oh, my <laughs> God, man. Yeah. So, uh, not Mother's. not a not a low-cholesterol, low-fat no. kind of breakfast. Yeah. But it's the only meal you need that day. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah. And, of course, they got the chicory coffee mix as well. So, uh, love New Orleans. The food there is great. But Mother's is uh, Mother's is a pretty special place, I think. I'll, to, I'll remember that one for sure. Yes. Uh, for lunch, uh, I would say uh, our kitchen here in town. Yeah. Uh, I love going there for dinner, too. But the... Uh, but uh, really enjoy their lunches. And I just love going to our kitchen because it feels like the hometown restaurant. You know sure. what I mean? Like everybody you know is there. And uh, on occasion, you can do business uh, from table to table if uh, yeah. the right person is sitting there. Um, and, uh, and and they're just always friendly and inviting. Yeah. And the food is consistently excellent. Um, and I love the fact that it's downtown. We have a lot of great downtown restaurants. Right. Uh, to pick from, uh, but uh, our kitchen is is one that that speaks to me. Um, and then, man, so many good dinner spots. I know uh, it's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love having dinner at home. Yeah, you know, I love cooking. Uh, I'm not great at it, but I do like to cook when I have some time to. My fiance is a pretty good cook, uh, and he has showed me some tricks that have come in very handy. Uh, uh, so I love eating at home, uh, but. Um, there's a place in Columbus uh, uh, called Lolly Bella. Never heard of it. Which is Ethiopian cuisine. Wow. And I don't remember how I came across this place, but I've been there for dinner several. The first time I went and, and started talking to the waitress, she was like, yeah, there's like 15 Ethiopian restaurants in Columbus. I was like, what? Huh? Seriously? Yeah. And there's an Ethiopian grocery store across the street. And it just like opened up my world to to this whole, the, the ethnic Food that is available in Columbus is mind-blowing. I had no idea. And, either. you know, I lived in New York City for 10 years and didn't have access to some of the food that they have in Columbus. Huh. And it is spectacular. Well, it I'm is spectacular. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, for an hour away, we can go get food from anywhere around the world. That's, that's pretty neat. Fresh and delicious. Yeah. And... Um, and these pe- when you come into these restaurants, they love the fact that you haven't had it before, and they want you to try everything. <laughs> My type place. But yes, yes. I'm happy to oblige with yeah, that. Sure. <laughs> uh, what book are you reading or would you like to share? I, I haven't started a book in a while. Um, I'm kind of halfway through a book right now uh, called uh, 
Tecumseh and the Prophet, okay, uh, which was uh, a New York Times bestseller back in November or December by Peter Cousins, and he kind of flips the story on his head and really tells it from uh, from Tenskwatawa's standpoint, um, and it's super interesting. You know, the story that we tell on the stage, um, our play was written in 1973, and although it is based in history, we're not telling a historic story. Right? We're t- it's a drama, drama right. based in history, so we're not we are not. Uh, I'm not a historian, and we are not a museum piece. Right. That being said, uh, Peter Cousins uh, has done a lot of research in the past 20 years about who Tenskwatawa really was, because all of the great biographies on Tecumseh are about Tecumseh and his brother's kind of like this ancillary figure who got interesting towards the end of Tecumseh's life. Peter Cousins kind of read that and and said, well, why you know why was he so charismatic, and what was it about this guy that made people interesting? And, um, and it's a fascinating look at the story. And, of course, you know, a lot happened in Tenskwatawa's life after Tecumseh died. Yeah. And in most books, they'll say uh, after Tecumseh died, Tenskwatawa moved to Kansas where he passed away 15 years later or whatever it is. He really dug into those years to find out what was going on then. And uh, Tenskwatawa was absolutely a charismatic, uh, prophetic, uh, religious leader uh, who probably did a lot of good. Uh, in his life as far as, you know, alcoholism among his people. Uh, he really railed against that, um, may, maybe to a hardcore kind of stance, but um, but he was one of the earliest people to recognize that there was a serious uh, alcoholism problem amongst Native people that he was living with and, and actively did something about it. Um, and, and also uh, uh, really, really tried to gather his, his people together uh, so that they uh, so so that they could uh, do right. Um, they, the government created the situation. The government moved them out, and then they were gone. And if they were going to survive, it was it was up to him and his people uh, in order to make that happen. So it's an interesting take on the story. Uh, I uh, stopped reading it right about the time we went into production, sure. and I'll probably pick it up again in November. Right, uh, when you have time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and, and then, of course, I always have a copy of uh, Hunter Thompson's Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail in 72, yeah. which is just the craziest uh, take on a political campaign that I have ever read. Um, and the more, th- the more that I re- I've probably read it seven or eight times through my life, the more that I read it and and go back through, and you realize that yeah, of course, you know he was he was this guy was all over the map, right? right. And uh, did a very good job at uh, uh, making things funny when they weren't, uh, or just making stuff up, you know, that he <laughs> sure. thought would have been funny if it happened. Uh, but but the fact that a lot that all of that again is is rooted in in what actually happened in 1971 and 72 is mind blowing. We think our politics are crazy right now. Ooh. It was it was something else in the early seventies. I'm have to pick pick that book up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, night owl, early riser, or both? It depends on the time of year. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm a night owl. <laughs> yeah, because because the show. Yes. What time does that end? Yeah. So we the audience usually is rolling out by ten thirty. Okay. Um, I'm usually rolling out by eleven thirty. Yeah. Uh, and getting things locked up, uh, but um, you know during during when the production is not up. I'm an early. I love getting up in the morning. I love yeah. having coffee outside before anybody else is rustling around. And yeah. from seven o'clock to eight thirty, you can get a lot done because nobody bothers you. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs>
Well, Brandon, thank you so much for your time. I know it's a busy time of year for you. It's your busiest time of year. And I, I can't uh, thank you enough for coming. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. And uh, it's been great fun listening to all the other podcasts. And I can't wait to see who you have next. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs>